We're in Matthew 7, back to our walk through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter number 7. And uh, we're picking up in verse number 1 and following. Uh, Matthew 7, verse number 1. Some of you have been following along, reading ahead, and uh, <clears throat> couldn't wait for this morning. But um, talking about judging others, judging others. And uh, when I was looking at this this week, I thought, you know, this is a, a subject matter that uh, all of us at some point along the way have violated. And so I'm praying that today God would just speak into our lives and that we would understand uh, this text today. So Matthew chapter 7, talking about judging uh, others along the way. Uh, I remember being in college <clears throat> a few years ago, and uh, I was always amazed at my at my buddies who were from uh, uh, Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic and uh, because because some of them uh, were struggling with learning English and, and as they came they would have to learn English and then also pass college I knew English and I struggled with college but they could do it both and it was amazing to me but I'll never forget uh, uh, after a game we went by a steakhouse one night and I was with a buddy uh, from Puerto Rico and uh, we ordered and he ordered an 11 ounce sirloin steak and uh and we were sitting there and he said 11 ounce sirloin steak and the, and the waitress said uh how would you like it and my buddy looked at her and i could tell it didn't register exactly so he was looking at her he said extra large <laughs> and that's not what she was talking about uh, he misunderstood what she was trying to say and uh, and I think about this text today and uh, this judging others text and it is one of the uh, most misunderstood uh, misquoted misapplied verses I believe in all of scripture how many times have you heard don't be judging people who are you to judge people and and it's like hey be careful that we're not pulling something out of context and, 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 and just removing it altogether because God doesn't do that in his word. Matthew chapter number seven, we're talking today about judging others, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in <clears throat> your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you <clears throat> to pieces. And so Jesus has been addressing, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he's addressing uh, these religious Pharisees, these religious people who what they had done is they had created a man-made religion uh, uh, in order so that they might attain their own righteousness, self-righteousness through the works that they deemed are good enough to attain righteousness. <clears throat> and that, as if that weren't enough, because you cannot attain your own righteousness. Righteousness is imputed to each one of us from God as a gift from him. I'm grateful for his righteousness being imputed to us. But these guys had this self-made, man-made religion, and they were imposing it on other people, and, uh, and they were judging other people along the way. In fact, it's reflected best, I think, the attitude that he's talking about here in Luke chapter number 18 and verses 9 through 13. Here's the attitude that he's addressing 
in this text of Scripture. The Bible says, <clears throat> and he also told a parable talking about Jesus, and he's teaching, and he's telling a parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. They're swindlers and they're unjust and they're adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. And then it talks about the tax collector said, but the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner that I am. <clears throat> and so he's talking today about this elevation of my own religious system and imposing it onto other people. It didn't stop with the Pharisees in the first century. It happens even today. We have to be careful that we're not imposing our personal convictions on other people, that we're not elevating our personal convictions to the same plateau as biblical principles, because there is, in fact, a difference. For example, it happens in churches all the time in every different way. And, and in fact, it's impossible to even cover them all. But, but let's just start with the KJV. For example, if I'm not preaching from the KJV, then I have a watered-down version of Scripture, and you really aren't a very good preacher, and you're creating confusion. Those words have been used to me. <laughs> Maybe you said them. <laughs> if, if we're not wearing a tie, we're backslidden people. If we're not wearing blue, if we're not wearing slacks, then, then, then we're backslidden people. I mean, we impose all of these things. If a woman's not wearing a dress, then she's not very holy and sacred. Or, or, or we'll, if, you're, if you're wearing a hat inside the building, then man, you're just a backslidden believer. But here's where we do have to be careful, though. Here's where we do have to be careful. And, and, and this is where we have to be careful, is don't let your freedoms cause others to stumble if you can help it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, being mindful of one another, but at the same time, <clears throat> what we do is we elevate things, and, uh, and, and, and we'll say, man, well, that church over there, they use, they use smoke and lights and stuff, and they're just kind of too worldly. Well, y'all okay? See, <laughs> we go on long enough, we'll hit us all this morning. So this morning, we're talking about judging one another and, and imposing on other people our own personal convictions. Jesus is not imposing, again, or forbidding uh, judgment. In fact, when you're talking about judgment, uh, uh, we're, in fact, throughout Scripture, we're encouraged to use judgment. In fact, I would even tell you, if you're planning on getting married, young people, you better use some judgment. <laughs> Y'all all right? <clears throat> Using judgment uh, this morning. But when you're talking about Scripture and, and, and how it affects us, if we, say, if we say, man, who are you to judge anything? Who are you to judge anybody? Well, the problem is if we forbid all judgment, what happens is it affects us inside and outside of the church. On the outside of the church, it affects our evangelism. And in other words, when you're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why did he give his son? Because you're a sinner. I mean, is that not confrontational? Now, there's a way, again, to go about addressing people, but at the end of the day, you got to get down to the fact of the matter. In other words, I had a buddy of mine when he was in seminary, and he was all excited about going out and sharing the gospel. We were standing at McDonald's. I, I, I was standing right beside him, we were standing at McDonald's, and he was talking to this girl right in front of us. He said, you see those French fries back there frying in that fry mare? And I was like, oh, no, you're not going to do this. <laughs> so I parted ways real quick. 
There's a way to share the gospel. But at the end of the day, the gospel in and of itself is confrontational because if you don't realize you're lost, why do I need to be saved? If I, if I don't realize that I'm perishing, then why in the world did Jesus have to die on a cross? If we share the truth of the matter, well, the fact of the matter is, man, all have sinned. That's a biblical principle, Romans 3, 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no judgment there. It's just a declaration of God's truth. And God, help us to declare his truth. If we're not careful, we can say, man, people can say, oh, you're just judging people. I'm not judging people. I'm just simply telling you, here's what the word of God says. It affects us on the outside, but I tell you, it affects us on the inside as well. If there's going to be unity in the church, there's got to be judgment. In fact, through Scripture, we're told in many different places, but let me just give you one in particular. 1 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verses 9 through 13. Watch what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 13. <clears throat> I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Well, how do you know they're immoral? <laughs> I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for, for then you would have to go out of the world. Uh, but actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person, a covetous or an idolater or a rev 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 reviler <clears throat> or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourself. Why? For the purpose of unity within the body. Now, when you're talking about judging those among the body, here's the, and, and we're going to get to healthy judgment. We're going to get to humble judgment in just a minute. We're going to talk greater detail. I'm just simply saying, Jesus is not forbidding all forms of judgment when you look through scripture so be careful not to look at one little phrase and one little verse and, and 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 build your whole theology around that when it pertains to this issue of judgment and so he's not forbidding all forms of judgment that's simply my point he's saying hey take care of business within the body of Jesus Christ. But he does tell us that, listen, ultimately the purpose is not so that we might just condemn people and kick people out because they're struggling along the way. No, he gives us some, some more uh, direction. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, the Bible says this, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take two or three more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every fact may be confirmed if he refuses to listen to them tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church then let him be to you as a gentile and as a tax collector in other words he's just saying hey the whole purpose for which we go to one another is, is, is restoration for your good that you might be in fellowship with our heavenly father along the way birthed out of a heart that loves one another it's necessary for the health and the body. You need to judge. You need to judge what teachers and preachers are saying along the way. You're, in, you're commanded to do so. The Bible says over in Galatians, in Galatians <clears throat> chapter number 1 and in verse number 8, the Bible says it like this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. What's he saying? Hey, judge the words of a preacher by Scripture. Judge the words of the teacher by Scripture. Make sure they're true to God's Word. Use some judgment along the way. 
And so he's just saying, hey, it's not forbidding everything. Now, you ever been in a sermon? You ever been in a sermon, though, <clears throat> or under the Word of God, and you feel like, uh, you feel like I'm being judged right now, uh, uh, and sometimes we get uncomfortable? Well, the Bible says the reason for that, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter number 4, listen to this, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things were open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Do you realize... That if a preacher or a teacher is doing their job, there are going to be times when you're feeling judged because that's what the Word of God does. <clears throat> and, so, and so what I'm saying is don't throw rocks at me. <laughs> ask, the question, ask the question, is it biblical? Is it biblical? And if it's not, you can throw a rock. I hope you don't have good aim, but you can throw a rock. First he says... Haughty judgment. So he, he addresses, first of all, haughty judgment, which haughty judgment is prohibited. It's forbidden in Scripture. In the first four verses, that's exactly what he's addressing. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judged, you will be judged. And it goes on from there. But he's just saying, hey, listen, this haughty judgment, here's the deal. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, there's two, two, two forms of judgment that we're going to talk about this morning. The first one being haughty judgment. Haughty judgment, which is, again, forbidden in Scripture. Haughty judgment is birthed from a heart <clears throat> that's filled uh, uh, with criticism for the purpose of condemnation. It's birthed from the heart that's filled with criticism for the purpose of condemnation. In other words, it's not coming out of a heart for love for my brothers. It's not coming out of a heart seeking restoration with my brethren. It's just simply a heart that's hard and in fact filled with criticism of others. And we're just given to fault finding, fault finding. It's amazing when you're talking about people and how so many people are gifted with that, gifted with the gift of criticism. And they're, and they're fully convinced, hey, listen, they make an assumption and they're fully convinced that they're able to judge the motives of another person's heart. They make an assumption about somebody along the way. And all of a sudden now this assumption becomes a fact because I've believed it for all of my life. And, and this is a heart that's filled with criticism. In fact, there's a lot of people that exercise that gift. And again, it's, it's amazing to me when, when assumption, when you're talking about an assumption that, that, that they're based Decisions based on assumptions. Assumptions are the lowest form of human knowledge. You don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I don't even know my own heart. Why do I do the things that I do? Paul said it that way. I would say the same thing. Have you ever done something and said, man, that was really stupid. Why did I do that? You ever, you ever done that? If I don't even know my own heart, how are you going to judge my heart? You don't know where we're coming from. Nor do I know your heart. And so we have to be careful. But if we're prone to fault finding, hey, here's the deal. If we are prone to fault finding, we will find fault. Because we're all faulty people. I mean, if that's what we're given to, we, we can find faults in one another. And at the end of the day, I'll tell you what we can do. We can beat each other black and blue and just hurt one another. 
And unfortunately, that's what happens. We're going to talk about that as we move forward, as he's teaching on this very issue. But he gives us basically a few reasons why, man, don't be judging people ultimately because judgment belongs to God. Don't judge so that you will not be judged. Hey, listen, you're going to give prone to judgment. God's going to judge you. <clears throat> it's only, it only belongs to him. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and in verse number 1, the Bible says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And he goes on from there just saying, hey, listen, he's the one that's going to be judging people. And if we are assuming a position of judging others, what we are doing is we are elevating ourselves to an extent that's abominable before God Almighty. I mean, to think that we can elevate myself and sit in God's seat. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, verse 16 and following, there are six things which the Lord hates, seven which are an abomination to him. And he begins the list, verse number 17, haughty eyes. It's haughty eyes that leads us to judgment. My way's the right way. You're wrong. And all I see is the faults and failures and other people along the way. That is a haughty spirit. And that's why Jesus is saying, hey, listen, listen. There may be splinters in some people's eyes around us. In fact, all of us have them. But if you're prone to criticism and you've elevated yourself and you've created a haughty spirit within yourself, it's an abomination. It's a plank. And so you've got to get rid of the own plank from your own eye first. And that's what he says. So it's God's, number one. Number two, <clears throat> what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. Verse number two, the Bible says, for in the way that you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Call it the boomerang effect. Remember the boomerangs? Remember when I was a kid, I threw a boomerang one time, didn't come back, went through the neighbor's window, I had to explain, man, this is a boomerang, it's supposed to come back. Sorry. But what, what God is saying here is he's just simply saying, hey, listen, what goes around comes around. It's a law of human nature. In other words, here's what he's saying. If you're going to give criticism, expect to get criticism. If you're going to be unmerciful, people are going to be unmerciful to you. If you're going to be unloving to others, people are going to be unloving to you. If you're going to keep score and bring up the past with others, they will keep score and bring up the past with you. And all you're going to have is a church filled with people that are just beat down black and blue because all of us have faults along the way. And that's what he's saying. What goes around comes around. There's a positive side to that as well, by the way. There is a positive side. In fact, if you want to see the biblical principle in action, you can read the book of Esther. You're familiar with the book of Esther back in the Old Testament, Esther? Uh, uh, there was a dude in, in, in the Old Testament in the book of Esther named Haman. And Haman wanted to get rid of the Jewish people. And so he, was, he, was, he built the gallows. He's going to hang them. And, uh, and when the king found out that this dude's going to hang these people, and he was upset with Uncle Mordecai, the tables got turned and the dude got hanged and uh, what goes you, you treating people that way generally speaking it's going to come back on you and just expect that to happen but I tell you what it happens in a positive way as well in other words what do you mean by the positive way well if you show love to people people are going to love you if you show mercy to people they're going to be more merciful to you if you show compassion to people they're going to be more compassionate to you. He's saying in verse number two, what goes around 
comes around, so be careful. I heard a story about a little girl, and she was looking up at her mama, and she said, Mama, Mama, why? She, her mama had a few gray strands coming up in her hair, and she said, Mama, why you got those gray hairs coming up in your hair? And, uh, and her mama was like, well, <clears throat> every time you do something wrong, one of my hairs turns gray. And uh, that little girl was looking at her, and she said, well, then, Mama, why is Grandma's hair all white? <laughs> what goes around comes around. <clears throat> Verse 2, not only what goes around coming out, but, but here's the deal. Personal problems will also blur your vision. Personal problems will blur your vision. The Bible says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in <clears throat> your own eye? He's just setting forth a principle. Or, 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 or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. And, uh, and so here's the deal. When, when we're not dealing with our own issues, when we're not dealing with our own issues, don't deal with your brother's issues. If I'm not, if I'm not dealing with my own issues before God, then, then, then don't start messing with other people because you can't see clearly. God help us to be able to see clearly. And, and, and so he's just simply saying, hey, this is a sensitive subject. He, he, he's using this whole illustration of the eye. And, uh, and, and he does it for a reason. He does it for a reason. Why does he use the illustration of an eye when talking about, talking to your brother about his faults and his failures? Because I tell you why, that's a sensitive subject. You, you ever tried to talk to somebody about faults and failures? You better be careful because it's a sensitive subject. It's kind of like the eye. And he's saying, hey, listen, if you're not careful, if you're not careful with the eye, you can do more harm than good in dealing with your brothers and your sisters. So he says, make sure that you're taking care of yourself before you're taking care of somebody else. Haughty judgment is forbidden. Looking at others, imposing my own man-made regulations on other people, beating other people up with the wrong... Hey, just because it... Just because they might be in error and in fault, if our heart's not right, then we can be wrong in the confrontational moment. God, help my heart to be right <clears throat> in dealing with others along the way. The humble judgment, the humble judgment, talking in verse number 5. In other words, he's saying this whole passage, it doesn't forbid all forms of judgment. So be careful when somebody says, who are you to judge? Well, the Bible says, you hypocrite. In other words, those that are not dealing with their own logs. He says, you hypocrite. First, first, take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When you're talking about humble judgment, humble judgment. It's birthed, here's the difference. It's birthed in compassion and seeks restoration. See, there's a difference between the two forms of judgment. One judgment being forbidden, and that's the judgment that is born out of criticism that leads to condemnation. But what he's saying is saying, hey, listen, judgment is okay, but make sure that it's coming from a heart that's filled with compassion and love that seeks restoration, seeks the good for the one to whom we're speaking. It's not about setting and imposing my own <clears throat> personal standards on other people along the way. 
The Bible says in Galatians chapter number 6 and in verse number 1, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be uh, tempted. In other words, we got to recognize, no matter who we're dealing with along the way, there but by God's grace am I, sincerely. And not just a cliche that we've heard that we repeat, but in all sincerity, not looking to somebody and say, I don't know how in the world you could do what you did. <laughs> because at the end of the day, we all have flesh and we all have struggles. And God, God help us to be filled with enough humility that we recognize, man, I am a sinful man as well. You've got to be gentle and prayerful in dealing with others. Again, because it's a very sensitive issue that we're talking about, the I. It is sensitive. In fact, uh, I remember when, when I, years ago I was at Mississippi State and I got hit in the eye with a baseball and, uh, and I went back into the training room and the, 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 I don't even know if you call him a doctor, I don't know who he was, but he had a Mississippi State uniform on. And so it was enough to let me know he's not nice. <laughs> but he snatched me up and I felt like he wasn't being really gentle because my eye was hurting and he had to squirt this dye in there to make sure it was okay. And uh, I, I was like blinded in one eye. I, didn't, I couldn't see. And he started squirting his stuff. And as soon as he started, he, he pulled my eyelids open and he squirted his stuff. And when he did that, I smacked him. And uh, why did I do that? Because he's messing with a very sensitive area for me. And you know what Jesus is saying here? When you start dealing with brothers and sisters. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. But you better be gentle. And even, even the most gentle might even end up getting smacked along the way. Why? Because we're dealing with a very sensitive subject. Approach it with great gentleness and great humility. I mean, there's a way to deal with other people along the way. In fact, verse 6, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What are you saying? Hey, use some judgment when you're dealing with people. This is on the heels. This is a verse. When you look at it within its context, it's like, man, how did it get fit in this point within the text. Well, the reason it's there is because he's saying, hey, listen, when you're dealing with people, you do need to show some judgment. Because if you don't, there will be times when they're going to turn on you if they're not ready. So God, help us to be filled with your Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, when I was thinking about this text, I wasn't just thinking about calling a brother or calling a sister. But what if I'm called? What if I'm called? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 through 9, 
says this, he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Why are you reading those verses? Because I think all of us ought to ask ourselves the question, how do I respond when I'm corrected? How do I, how do I respond when, when I stand to be corrected and somebody does, filled with the Spirit, comes along and discusses with me? Do I scoff at them and get ticked off because you're talking to me about an issue? Or do I receive what they have and become wiser even still? See, this is about family matters. This is about saying, hey, we are a family. And together, we can't separate ourselves and live isolated lives. And so I want the best for you, and I want you to want the best for me because we're a family. We're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You know, when you talk about these issues, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you followed the Southern Baptist Convention, but even last week at the Southern Baptist Convention, there was an issue. There's a lot of issues because we're a lot of people. Uh, but one of the issues that was addressed, if you followed it at all, was an issue with Saddleback Church and Pastor Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life, wrote the Purpose Driven Life book. And God's used him in an incredible way, used his church ministry in an incredible way. But a year and a half ago, <clears throat> he came out and he ordained three women pastors. And, uh, and you may be here and say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal because the Bible, <clears throat> in fact, says over in the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy and chapter number... Uh, two, First Timothy, in chapter number two, <clears throat> the Bible says this, chapter three, one and two. It is a trustworthy statement if any man, it is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer. It is a fine work that he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach and the husband of one wife, and going on from there. And you could read all the qualifications, and I would say they, they, they all do matter. They all do matter. Uh, but in our culture, we have to be careful because the office of pastor, according to the Bible, not a man-made, not Baptist, but according to Scripture, is to be reserved for a man. And when you ordain three women, you create great confusion and present confusion. Therefore, uh, our credentials committee was tasked with dealing with this issue, and it became a little bit bigger of an issue while we were there uh, because they chose not to deal with the issue at hand. Uh, but if you're reading up on that, that is what is behind the issue, this issue of judging one another, this issue of just saying, hey, listen, we do reflect one another, and I don't want to create confusion out in this world. We need to do a better job at, again, holding one another accountable on these matters. And so God help us know how and when to judge one another. Understanding that before we do, deal with my own issues. Deal with my own issues. Because how in the world can I deal clearly with someone else until I deal with mine? And then in so doing, very gently, very prayerfully, and for the purpose of restoration 
and their good. God help us dealing with this issue along the way. Would you do me a favor and join me for a time of prayer this morning? And as we pray today, I just want to invite you, if your head's bowed and eyes closed, I just want to encourage you. This is a word today for brothers and sisters. Man, this is, this is for us today. But maybe you're here today and you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Man, that's where it begins. And if you don't have a relationship with God, I want to invite you today to call on his name. Man, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What is he saying in his word? What he's saying is simply this. God is holy, and we're not. We have sinned, and our sin separates us from a holy God. And God so loves you that he sent his one and only son into this world to die on the cross for you and for me. And he did that because without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus died on the cross for you. And three days later, he came up from the dead. He's alive today and desires a relationship with you. Not just simply religious activity, but a living relationship. If you've never called on his name, man, the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. And today, won't you call on his name? If you've never called on his name, you call on his name. Oh, dear Jesus, I have sinned. And I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe you're alive, and I want you to be my Lord, my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Come into my life. Oh, I'm going to live the rest of my days for you. If that's a decision that you would like to make today, I'm encouraging you to call on his name. We're going to sing a closing song. As soon as we finish this song, I'm inviting you to come today. You come today. Maybe you're here this morning, your brother and sister in Christ, and when you think about the plank in my own eye, what, what, what's the plank? What's the plank for you? What's the plank for you? Oh, I know he's talking about spiritual pride, and maybe that's what it is. But maybe you hear this morning there's something else. Man, the Bible says that when we repent, there's times of refreshing in the presence of God. Today, today, let this be the day that you pull the plank out of your eye. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your goodness to us. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your gentleness with us. Oh, God, help us. Be found faithful before you in all things. Oh, God, we love you. I thank you for this day. Just praying, God, today you have your way during this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.